Hello and welcome to the Serial Talker podcast. My name is Peter Von Gom, and today's true story takes place in a remote village in northern Ethiopia. The sub-Saharan African country of Ethiopia is no stranger to strife. The Ethiopians have endured far more than their share of natural disasters, violence, political upheavals, in recent months due to political tensions and military violence against civilians. Many thousands of residents have been displaced and have sought safety in remote villages of the Tigray region. Aziz Abraham and his family are among those displaced. They were living in Mekele, the capital of the Tigray region and one of Ethiopia's oldest towns. Mekele is also home to the Tigray People's Liberation Front. More on that in a bit. Aziz tended a shop in the city's ancient market district, and his wife took care of their young children. When a military crackdown began by the new Ethiopian government, seeking to neutralize the long-standing TPLF who demanded their continued self-governing of the Tigray region, Aziz began to worry for his and his family's safety. They packed up some basic necessities, a couple changes of clothes, toys for the kids, and headed for a relative's home in a remote village famed for its ancient and revered Mariam Dengalat Church. The region is renowned for its breathtaking scenery, stunning rocky mountainous terrain, and its celebrated rock-hewn Orthodox churches built between the 4th and 15th centuries. Here, they settled in the sleepy village where they would wait until things stabilized back in Mekele. The timing was great, they thought, because the hugely significant religious festival of St. Mary was being held in the area at Mariam Dengalat Church. Hundreds of pilgrims from the region descend there each year for days of prayer and celebration. What began as a religious celebration became a nightmarish and bloody hell. What Aziz witnessed and has shared of a military assault and massacre on civilians that took place in the village is shocking, horrific, and unfathomable. The backstory is this. In 2018, a new political party took over Ethiopia after nearly 30 years of governing by the Tigray People's Liberation Front, TPLF. Nobel Peace Prize recipient Abiy Ahmed became the new Prime Minister of Ethiopia and has been lauded for his resolving a long-running conflict with neighboring Eritrea. In recent months, however, the Ethiopian government, and apparently with the help of the Eritrean military, launched a major military operation against the TPLF that continues to govern the Tigray region of the country, resisting Abiy's drive to consolidate power. The fighting has raged on in rural and mountainous areas where the TPLF and its armed supporters are reportedly hiding out, often catching civilians in the crossfire. Many thousands of people have fled to outlying villages seeking safety and shelter. Hundreds of displaced sought shelter at Mariam Dengalat, and this would prove to be a very unfortunate decision. On November 30th, 
Aziz, and hundreds of others gathered at Maryam Dengalat Church. The historic monastery complex is tucked in a stunningly beautiful valley at the base of high rocky cliffs. Pilgrims had filled the village for the annual celebration of Zion Maryam. To mark the day, Ethiopians believe the Ark of the Covenant was brought to the country from Jerusalem. The Ark of the Covenant is a gold-covered chest described in the book of Exodus as containing the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. The Holy Day celebration was a welcome respite from weeks of violence, but it would not last. The festival started much as it had any other year. Priests dressed in white ceremonial robes and crowns, carrying crosses aloft, leading hundreds of people in prayer at Maryam Dengalat Church. The faithful sang, danced, and ululated in unison, families and friends together for their annual joyous celebration. After prayers had concluded, the faithful headed to their homes to enjoy a traditional meal of dorowat, a spicy chicken stew accompanied with sourdough flatbread called injera. Before heading to a relative's home, Aziz looked out from the hilltop where the church is perched to see military troops arriving on foot, followed by more soldiers in trucks. Odd, he thought. Perhaps they were just passing through, or had come for food and drink on their way to a military base. The soldiers arrived in the village and were greeted with the hospitality and cheer of the festivities. They were invited to eat and rested under the shade of a tree grove, a welcome respite from the punishing sun. Initially, all was peaceful. Some congregants were still celebrating Mass when suddenly shelling and gunfire erupted, sending people fleeing up mountain paths and into nearby homes. Displaced people escaping conflict in other regions had now encountered something even more deadly and vindictive. One man who helped with preparations for the festival said he was at the church when troops arrived at the village entrance, blocking off the road and firing shots. He heard people screaming and fleeing, running up Zikale mountainside. From the rocky plateau, he surveyed the chaos playing out below. People were running for their lives. The soldiers were opening fire on everyone who was coming from the church. Hundreds were in celebration. Eyewitnesses said they could tell the troops were Eritrean based on their uniforms and dialect. Some speculated that soldiers were meeting out revenge by targeting young men, assuming they were members of the TPLF forces or allied local militias, but Aziz knew there were no militia in Dengalat or the church. Meanwhile, in another part of the village, newlyweds Marta and Biniam, who were visiting Dengalat for the holiday, left the church after morning prayers. As they walked back to their relative's home, a stream of people began sprinting up the hill, shouting that soldiers were rounding up people in the village. They scrambled up cliff paths to neighboring villages, helpless as the troops followed, spraying the mountainside with bullets. Marta and Biniam rushed to their home, barricaded the door, and prayed. Soon after, the soldiers arrived at their house, shooting into the compound and calling out, Come out, you bitches! They cautiously went outside, 
holding their identity cards up, explaining that they were civilians. But the troops opened fire anyway, hitting Biniam, his sister, and several others. Marta held Biniam, thinking he was going to survive. But he died in her arms. The couple had just been married the month before. Marta found out after the massacre that she was pregnant. After the soldiers left, Marta, who had been shot in the hand, helped drag the seven bodies inside so that the hyenas wouldn't eat them. They slept near the bodies and couldn't bury them because the soldiers were still there. Soldiers carried on with their wanton slaughter of the villagers, going house to house through Dengalat, dragging people outside, binding their hands, or asking others to do so, and then shooting them. Mothers were forced to tie up their own sons before being shot. A pregnant woman was shot, her husband killed. Nobody was spared. One eyewitness, Samuel, had been celebrating with the soldiers earlier, eating and drinking, carrying on with light, jovial banter, before they came to his house, which is just behind the church. They killed all of his relatives. He survived by hiding underneath one of their bodies for hours. After they killed entire families outside their homes, the soldiers began looting and taking all the property. Samuel's house was one of them. He lay motionless as soldiers stepped over the bodies, kicking them, looking for anything of value. Back at Mariam Dengalat Church, as the violence raged, hundreds of people remained in the church hall. During a lull in the gunfire, priests advised those who could go to home to do so, ushering them outside. Several of the priests were killed as they left the church. With nowhere to run, Aziz sheltered inside Mariam Dengalat Church, lying on the floor as artillery pounded the tin roof. He was resigned to the fact that he would die there in the church. He didn't try to run. Those congregants that were still living lay sheltered among the bloodied and dead inside the church for nearly 48 hours until troops called parishioners down from the church to deal with the dead. The soldiers allowed informal burials to take place, but threatened to kill anyone they saw mourning. Aziz volunteered. Under their watchful eyes, he held back tears as he sorted through the bodies of children and teenagers, collecting identity cards from pockets and making meticulous notes about their clothing or hairstyle. Some were completely unrecognizable. Then he covered their bodies with earth and thorny tree branches, praying that they wouldn't be washed away or carried off by prowling hyenas or circling vultures. Finally, he placed their shoes on top of the burial mounds so he could return with their parents to identify them. Among the dead were priests, old men, women, entire families, and most devastatingly, a group of more than 20 Sunday school children, some as young as 14. Aziz recognized some of the children immediately. They were from his town in Ethiopia's northern Tigray region and had also fled fighting there two weeks earlier. One witness said, Their hands were tied, young children, 
We saw them everywhere. There was an elderly man who had been killed on the road, an eighty-something-year-old man, and the young kids they killed on the street, in the open. We only survived by the grace of God. Abraham said he buried more than fifty people that day, but estimates hundreds died in the assault. Aziz began burying the bodies in the morning and didn't stop until nightfall. The corpses, some dressed in white church robes, drenched in blood, were scattered in arid fields, scrubby farmlands, and a dry riverbed. Others had been shot on their doorsteps, with their hands bound with belts. Aziz said he and five other men spent the day burying bodies, including those from Marta's household and the Sunday school children. But the troops forbid them from burying bodies at the church, in line with Orthodox tradition, and force them to make mass graves instead. The initial bloodshed was followed by two weeks of continued assaults. Soldiers stayed in the area in several encampments, stealing cars, burning crops, and killing livestock, before eventually moving on. Circling vultures continued for much longer, feeding on many of the bodies in areas too dangerous for the villagers to retrieve. The conflict is the culmination of escalating tensions between the two sides and the most dire of several recent ethno-nationalist clashes in Africa's second most populous country. After seizing control of Tigray's main cities in late November, Abiy Ahmed declared victory and maintained that no civilians were harmed in the offensive. Abiy has also denied that soldiers from Eritrea crossed into Tigray to support Ethiopian forces. The families hope that the names of their loved ones, which Aziz and others risked their lives to record, will eventually be read out at a traditional funeral ceremony at the Mariam Dengalat Church, in keeping with Orthodox rituals. Rare closure in an ongoing conflict. The graves in Dengalat are a daily reminder of the bloodshed for the survivors who remain in the village. Where the reality remains, it is still not safe enough to rebury the bodies of those who died such pointless and horrific deaths. Whew. That is a really heavy story. But I felt I really wanted to share that. Some of you have probably already seen this story in the news. It's just so tragic when those who are already suffering and oppressed are put through something like this. They escape their homes that were inundated with military conflict and seek shelter in a seemingly inert area in a remote part of the country and then are met with this horror. Tragic. Truly tragic. Well, on a lighter note, thank you so much, as always, for joining the Serial Talker podcast. Be sure and check out the video version of this podcast on YouTube of the same name, The Serial Talker. And if you would like to support this program, you could always buy me a cup of coffee. Those details are in the description of this podcast. If you have a compelling true story that you would like me to consider reading, please email it to me. Those details are also in the description. Thanks as always, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Ciao.